Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo here. Thanks for checking out the show. Please do us a favor. This thing is uh, really growing fast, this podcast. It's because of you. Appreciate you joining us. And if you have two minutes, please leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, however you get your podcasts. In return, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great week and enjoy the show. Let's have some fun with some over-unders with the Big 12 season just now a couple of weeks away. I'm Pete Mundo, your host. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. Thanks so much for joining us, whether it's radio, podcast, whatever it might be. We appreciate you being a part of the show. So we are going to go in order from the teams with the highest win totals in the Big 12 to the lowest win totals. And I will give you my over-under prediction for the upcoming season. Let's start with the Oklahoma Sooners. The over-under line is at 10.5. And And I think OU finishes under. To be clear, these numbers do not include bowl games or postseason. These are 12 regular season games. I'm taking the under for OU at 10.5. I think it's going to be barely under. I think they're looking at 10 wins, but I see OU as a 10-2 team this year. I just see the real potential for a couple of losses with this team because I think the Big 12 is getting better. I think that middle pack of the Big 12 continues to improve itself and while I don't think OU has has come back down to earth or anything like that, Lincoln Riley's recruited really well. And he may very well, once again, have another Heisman contender at quarterback. But with that offensive line being completely revamped with four of the five starters gone, the new quarterback in the new system for the past few months, I just think there are opportunities for, for closer games and a potential slip-up, more than one. You got the Texas game, of course, that's always the neutral site in Dallas. You've got Iowa State and TCU at home. You're then on the road against uh, Oklahoma State. And I know I know OU has owned Bedlam under uh, Mike Gundy, especially since he's been there. But you know, I'm just seeing opportunities and saying, hey, it's nothing against OU. I think they're going to be in the Big 12 championship game. They're my favorite to win the Big 12. I just think the Big 12 champion this year is going to have two losses. So that's why I've got OU under the 10.5 wins this fall. For Texas, the line nine and a half wins. I think that's an under for Texas as well. First off, really tough non-conference game against LSU. Yes, it's at home, but it's still LSU. Then you've got OU in the neutral site at TCU, at Iowa State, at Baylor. Those are the teams that are in that second tier in the conference this year. TCU, Iowa State, Baylor, pick whatever order you want. And Texas goes on the road to each one of them. And then you go to Morgantown as well. And I know Morgantown and, and, and West Virginia probably is not going to be too good this year. But still, that just throws a wrench into the season because of the travel that that entails. So this Texas schedule is brutal when you look at home versus away. You have eight new starters on defense. The hype is building. That's always when I hit the pause button and I say, all right, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. And let's actually deep dive into this thing. And the schedule is not in Texas's favor. So I am taking Texas under nine and a half. Iowa State, the number is eight wins. I'm going over. 
Here's the deal for Iowa State. I think that this is the kind of year when if you want to make money, you look to Iowa State, you look to Matt Campbell, you see what is building with this program. You know you're a Big 12 fan, but for the average college football fan, they may not. And you can make some money here with Iowa State. And if they beat Iowa in their second game of the season, which they have a bye before, the eight is a lock at an over. Absolute lock. Now you look at the schedule itself, and and yes, it's tricky, but the good news is this. You have Oklahoma and Texas. You are splitting home versus away. You have Texas at home. You got OU on the road, but hey, that worked out all right a couple of years back, right? (laughs) That worked out just fine for them. Um, But for Iowa State, I mean, you're talking about at four losses for this team, you still get a push. I love the over, and I do think that Iowa State is going to be playing for a Big 12 title. That defense is unbelievable. It will be the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, Brock Purdy is going to continue to grow at quarterback. The offensive line is Matt Campbell's best yet since he's been in names. And, yes, there's skill position guys that you got to replace. David Montgomery, Hakeem Butler, but – um, they're there. Their capabilities are absolutely there. So Iowa State, I'm going the over eight wins. TCU, the number is seven and a half, and I'm also taking an over with TCU at seven and a half. A couple of reasons why. Uh, first off, Gary Patterson always has good bounce back years. And secondly, TCU is a classic undervalued team when you talk about Las Vegas. Now for the schedule itself, it works out pretty well. You got the tough Purdue game in the non-conference, which could go either way. It's on the road. That makes it a little trickier, but you got a bye week before it. If you have your quarterback figured out, you're in very good shape for that game. That remains to be seen. But now for the conference schedule, you start off with Kansas. That's a win. Then you have Iowa State. That's a very tough game. But that leads you into a bye week. It's always good when one of your most difficult games is followed by a bye week. You have the guys leave it all out there, and you try to get the win on the road. And don't forget, TCU lost that game as a top-five team in the country a couple of years ago in Ames. So maybe some revenge still at play for the guys that are left over from that game. And then, before your other two toughest games, you have K-State before you play Texas, if you're TCU. And then you have Texas Tech before you play OU. I'm not saying that Kansas State and Texas Tech are teams you're going to roll over. But you do not have a a gauntlet of a stretch for TCU. The schedule is pretty well balanced, which uh, means that there's not going to be that, you know, one in three stretch that just demoralizes your team for the season. TCU doesn't have that, so I'm taking the over seven and a half. Meantime for Baylor, the number is also seven and a half, and I'm going over for Baylor at seven and a half. A big reason why? Joke of a non-conference. They don't have a single Power 5 non-conference game where you say, oh, that could go either way. They don't have it. Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice. It's a joke. They'll be 3-0. and So basically in conference play, you got to give me 5-4, and four, which I think this Baylor team is more than capable of doing. Um, on top of that, this is the year. Baylor fans who have season tickets – Love the odd years. You know why? You get OU and Texas both at home. And on top of that, West Virginia, you also get at home. Meaning no trip to Morgantown. And once again, not that Morgantown is like, uh, you know, the swamp. But the travel, and I've heard this 
from coaches, from players, even from fans. I mean, it, it takes time to get to Morgantown. West Virginia has a great home field advantage in this conference, partially because, yes, the, the fan base is great, but also because of the work it takes to get there. So Baylor gets OU in Texas at home, and they don't have to go to Morgantown. That's a nice breakdown. It's a very nice breakdown. Now, the schedule is backloaded the last four weeks at TCU, home to Oklahoma, home to Texas before wrapping up with Kansas. That's that's a tough three-game stretch, but Baylor this year, another sneaky good team that I see going over the 7.5 and and getting to the 8-win mark. Oklahoma State, the number for the Pokes, 7 I was going to go push, but I didn't want to be a wimp. You know, you didn't come here for uh, for softball opinions. So I'm going under. I, I just don't know what is going on with this team, with this program. And not in a bad way. It just has a weird feel to me. No idea what's going on at quarterback. I'm hearing now, you know, are they going to go a two-quarterback system with Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders? That sounds like a disaster in the making to me. I, I just don't know what's going on. You go to Oregon State to open things up. Oregon State's been terrible, but a season opener, a Friday night in Corvallis, I, that that has all the spellings of, I don't know, just something weird happening. Then you just look at how the schedule breaks down, and you start off on the road against Texas in Big 12 play. Then you got K-State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, TCU. You can justify, and I don't think they're going to, but you can justify Oklahoma State being an underdog in almost all of those games. And the ones they won't be underdogs in, K-State and Texas Tech, that'll probably be a touchdown either way. It's a tough schedule. The Big 12, there's no let-up outside of Kansas. And if you're one of these middle-of-the-pack teams in the Big 12, which Oklahoma State is, if I'm taking the over at seven, that means I can find an easy eight wins on the schedule, and I can't do it. I just I cannot do it. So I'm taking the under at seven, and basically it comes down to this. I think it's more likely Oklahoma State wins six games than winning eight games. That That's it. That's what it comes down to. I don't think it's a four or five-win team. I can justify six wins a lot more than I can justify eight wins this year for the Cowboys. So I'm going under there. Uh, Texas Tech at six. All right, for the Red Raiders, I'm taking the over. It's going to be tight. I see seven wins. I might be feeling a push, but once again, you're not coming here for the softball opinions. So I'm taking Texas Tech at six with the over. Um, It's going to be a shootout against Arizona in non-conference play. If they can get that, then the odds increase drastically. You start things off for Texas Tech, and you've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, then you have Baylor, Iowa State, before you finally play Kansas. If they can get, not a lot to ask, during those five games, if they can get two wins in those five games against OU, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas, figure Kansas is one of them, so in one of those four games, then I think you're sitting in a basically 5 and 3 spot, 4 and 4 at worst, and then down the stretch, I would need either 2 or 3, but let's say 2 wins against West Virginia, TCU, Kansas State, Texas. 
I find that doable. I just think this roster that Matt Wells has been left by Cliff Kingsbury is getting uh, underrated. Cliff Kingsbury is still the head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders if you know if Bowman doesn't go down and some injuries don't take place late last year. I firmly believe that. So let's not forget, there's some talent there on both sides of the ball uh, for Texas Tech. So I'm taking the over six. K-State, I'm going over five and a half. Now, uh, for Kansas State and Chris Kleiman, there are question marks. We know that. The roster is somewhat depleted as well. But for Kansas State, they get the middle of the pack Big 12 teams all at home. All those teams in the second tier that we talk about, Baylor, TCU, Iowa State, are all going to Manhattan. That means your most winnable games are in front of your home fans. That's a big deal. On top of the fact that you get OU at home. And I'm not predicting any wins or, you know, going down the road of saying, oh, three and one in those four. I'm not doing that. But when you get your most competitive opponents in your home stadium, that's a good sign. Also, not traveling to Morgantown, that's a deal as well. So K-State, I will take the over at five and a half. I think Chris Kleiman uh, can get this team to bowl eligibility. West Virginia at five uh, for over-under win totals in the Big 12. I'm going under. You have a brutal non-conference with Missouri and NC State as you're trying to figure out you know, if you have a starting quarterback, whether it's Austin Kendall or somebody else. Whoever it is hasn't played football meaningful snaps in years. Whether it's Jack Allison, the Miami transfer, Austin Kendall, the OU transfer, uh, Trey Lowe. I mean, these guys have not played quarterback in meaningful games in at least two to three years. And then you got to go to Missouri week two and then come home and play NC State. Uh, That's a tough, tough slate of non-conference action there to get it going. Um, So West Virginia is in a very difficult spot. There's a lot of rebuilding to do. I, I believe in Neil Brown. I like Neil Brown. But, man, I, I just don't see it happening at more than five wins. Best case, I think they can get to five and seven and push this thing. But if you're giving me an over-under, which is what I'm in charge of doing here and what you're asking me to do at five wins, I think four and eight's a lot more likely than six and six with this team, with the way the schedule shakes out and the unknown pieces to start the season on both sides of the ball. And then, last but not least, you've got the Kansas Jayhawks. Over-under is three, and I'm going under. They go to Boston College in non-conference play. They've got the Big 12 slate. Maybe they can pick off a West Virginia or a K-State. But, man, Indiana State to start the season, then Coastal in Week 2. They should win those games. I don't feel confident they'll sweep them, but they should win both. And then, you know what? You're going to be an underdog by possibly double digits in every game the rest of the way and and find me two more? Not one, but two more? How the heck could you justify four wins with this team? At best, you can find me three. You can't find me four. You just can't do it. So, uh, I'm going KU under three. So, once again, OU under 10.5, Texas under 9.5. Iowa State over eight, TCU over seven and a half, Baylor over seven and a half, Oklahoma State under seven, Tech over six, K State over five and a half, West Virginia under five, and KU under three. That means I have five unders and five overs for the Big 12. Keep it balanced. Keep it balanced. Coming up, let's talk about Big 12 quarterback rankings this fall. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. 
So when you rank anything in college sports, NFL, NBA, it doesn't matter. You're always going to piss somebody off. You just can't win. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Great to have you on board. So we're rolling out our position group rankings on heartlandcollegesports.com. And, you know, one thing that I always like to do is do it as a group. I'm not going to rank the top 10 quarterbacks in the Big 12. I want to rank them as units. I think that's more interesting. I think that's more fun. And, you know, frankly, there's more debate that can be had when you talk about rankings as a unit. So let's get right to the quarterbacks in the Big 12 Conference. The number one group of quarterbacks in the Big 12 is the Texas Longhorns. If I need to win one game today, Sam Ellinger's my quarterback. Now, in a year, I might feel differently about that. You know, I may say, hey, Brock Purdy. I may say, oh, boy, give me uh, Charlie Brewer. But right now, it's Sam Ellinger. And then behind him, Casey Thompson, an ESPN top 300 player a year ago. Uh, and then you also have another true freshman, Rashawn Johnson, All-American in high school, top 10 dual threat quarterback. So for me, Texas has the best collection of quarterbacks in the conference. OU is my number two. Yes, Jalen Hurts is our preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, but here's the deal with Jalen Hurts. He's playing for an all-timer in Lincoln Riley, at least as an offensive mind. So Jalen Hurts, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this conference who would have an enormous amount of success under Lincoln Riley. So I can't boost Jalen Hurts because of who he's playing for. This is the collection of players in the quarterback room. Then behind Jalen Hurts, you got Tanner Mordecai. You got the uh, number one quarterback prospect in the class of 2019, Spencer Rattler. But Texas gets the edge because of Ellinger and because of his experience and success. At number three, as we rank the quarterbacks in the Big 12 as a unit, the Baylor Bears. This may shock some of you, but it shouldn't. Charlie Brewer, if he had a decent offensive line blocking for him the past couple of years, he'd be getting a lot more attention. Started 16 of 17 games. He's taken his lumps. And even with all that, good dual threat ability. 19 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and threw for more than 300 yards seven times last season, rushing for 375 yards and seven scores on the year. He's a really good player. And there's a guy behind him who has not gotten any significant playing time but may be one of the most intriguing quarterback prospects in the Big 12, and that's Jerry Bohannon. He was a huge get for Matt Rule's staff last year, four-star guide of Arkansas, top 10 dual-threat quarterback in the country. And then there's another four-star prospect in the quarterback room. That's Jared Zeno from San Antonio. Hey, Matt Rule, he's built this thing back up, man. you got to give him credit. He has built this thing back up. Number four, as we rank the quarterbacks in the Big 12 Conference as a unit, the Iowa State Cyclones. Brock Purdy, baby. Brock freaking Purdy. Honorable mention, all Big 12 guy last year, 6-1 and one as a starter against Big 12 opponents as a true freshman, 16 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So he's the real deal. He is the real deal. Also names, you got Real Mitchell. He redshirted last year, but he was a you know a high-end three-star guy coming out of high school, and he picked um, Iowa State over Arizona, K-State, South Carolina. Then you got Blake Clark, redshirted last season. He was a successful high school player right in the state. And Easton Dean, three-star prospect from uh, Kansas. 
who picked the Cyclones over Iowa, Kansas State, and Kansas. So there you have it, Iowa State at number four. At number five, Alan Bowman and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Bowman's a stud, absolute stud. But there's not much depth behind him that I'm all that confident in. And I think four and five can alternate. I gave Iowa State the edge. Purdy stayed healthy. I liked him a little bit more. But that doesn't mean Alan Bowman, you know, is not going to light up the Big 12. If, if he clicks with this new coaching staff, he will. Um, he completed 70% of his passes last season. That's the highest for a Tech quarterback since Seth Dagey. Yeah, that includes a guy named, oh, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes. You heard of him? <laughs> 17 touchdown passes. Uh, you know, Tech can be in great shape for the next three seasons because of Alan Bowman. There's no other way to put it. But behind him, I mean, Jet Duffy, eh, eh. I mean, he's a better runner than he is a passer. Fine backup. He's never going to be an elite starting quarterback in the Big 12. Um, after that, you basically have a bunch of prospects. At number six, as we rank the Big 12 quarterbacks as a unit, the TCU Horn Frogs. You know, there's not a stud there, but there's a lot of potential studs. Justin Rogers, really good four-star guy. He's been injured since high school in 2017. I don't know if the explosiveness is coming back, but he was the number two dual-threat quarterback in the country. Max Duggan, true freshman, four-star guy, number three dual-threat quarterback in America this past year. Real deal. Alex Delton, Kansas State transfer, has the experience which you like to have, and Gary Patterson will like to have. Uh, limited as a passer, but a great leader. Gary Patterson raved about him at Big 12 Media Days. Really interesting option there. And then Mike Collins, UPenn transfer, not in love with him. I mean, he looked okay last year, but uh, you know he's not the guy that's going to light things up. He's just kind of a steady hand. At number seven, Kansas State Wildcats. If things click for Skylar Thompson under Chris Kleiman, I, he could have one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 this season. But he just hasn't been a consistent starter in the league yet. I put up a highlight of Skylar Thompson from the Mississippi State game last year. Now, they got blown out in that game. But if Thompson can throw the ball like he did in the clip I put up on our Instagram page, just go search Heartland College Sports. You'll find it there. He can be a top-half quarterback in this league. He's got a little dual threat to him as well. He can run the ball, 400 rushing yards, five touchdowns last year. So, you know, there's real potential there. John Holcomb, high-ceiling, class of 2018 guy, a top-15 dual-threat quarterback in America, 6'4", 250. He may have a package for himself, but we don't know much about him yet. Ranking the quarterbacks as a unit in the Big 12, number eight, Oklahoma State. It's just unclear who's going to be the starter Spencer Sanders hasn't played after being the 2017-18 Gatorade State Player of the Year in Texas. But he didn't play last season. I, you know, even though he could have played up to four games with that redshirt rule. Mike Gundy didn't want to play him for whatever reason. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Drew Brown, Hawaii guy, transferred, also didn't play last year. What is he? I, I don't know. I just don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. It doesn't mean whoever wins the job won't put up numbers. They will. I just don't know what to make of them. At number nine, West Virginia. A lot of options, and they're all unproven. Austin Kendall, former four-star guy with uh, OU. Okay. Jack Allison, former four-star guy with Miami. Played in the Camping World Bowl last year in place of Will Greer. Looked okay. 
you know, these guys haven't played meaningful ball in, in a long time. It's been, what, four years for Austin Kendall, maybe three or four almost for Allison as well. It's been a while. Trey Lowe's an interesting guy, but once again, redshirted last season, and there's just too many questions for me uh, to put West Virginia above nine. And then at number 10, and there's a big gap admittedly between nine and 10, is, is Kansas. I mean, Carter Stanley, how many times do you have to see Carter Stanley to know it's just not happening? I don't know how much of that is Carter Stanley versus what's around him, but either way, he's not uh, a game-changing quarterback. Thomas McVitie, um, I saw him at the spring game. Eh, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't overly impressed with either guy. I, I just wasn't. So we know what Stanley is. And McVitie, I mean, he was at one time a big prospect. He was the number eight pro-style quarterback coming out of high school in the class of 2016. But, I mean, the guy's been all over the map since then. He went to Pitt. He transferred to uh, Mesa Community College. Now he's at KU. Uh, all over the map with this guy. So, uh, you know, KU's the obvious number 10 um, in the quarterback rankings in the Big 12 Conference. So there you have it, one through 10 We've got you covered right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Well, something is happening in one of the Big 12 quarterback races that is really surprising me. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Appreciate you joining us. So I did not see... Alex Delton potentially taking the lead in the TCU quarterback race. But that was the report over the past few days um, after Gary Patterson raved about Delton to Horn Frogs Blitz uh, just a few days ago, saying, you got a guy that was voted captain at Kansas State. His teammates were at media days, talked well about him. You have a guy that left the program, and you think maybe somebody would have something bad to say about him, but nobody had anything bad to say. He's been unbelievable here. That was Gary Patterson a few days ago. I'm not denying Alex Delton isn't a really good guy. I'm not denying that he is not a great leader. But I just did not think that Alex Delton was a guy who had the skill set that Sonny Cumbie was looking for in a quarterback. Because at Kansas State, Alex Delton, you know, he could run the ball pretty well especially between the tackles. He could also get to the outside. But boy, was he inconsistent as a passer. And I just thought in Sonny Cumbie's offense, that would not fly. Unless Sonny Cumbie's, you know, tweaked a couple of things in the guy and and he's now a much better passer than he was in Manhattan. That remains to be seen. But if he does win this job, I'll be really surprised. I mean, now I won't be, but I would have been a month ago. I thought this race was going to come down to a Justin Rogers, you know, four-star guy from a couple of years ago who's been dealing with injuries since high school. I thought maybe true freshman Max Duggan would have a, a an upper hand. He enrolled early. And when I talked to Gary Patterson at Media Days, he raved about Duggan. And he's like, I don't view him as a true freshman. When they enroll early, they're learning everything. They're getting ahead. I view him more as sophomores. So I thought that was reading the tea leaves and saying, well, Duggan could be the guy. I mean, he was highly recruited out of high school and I think a four-star guy of Iowa. So so I thought he was somebody who had a real shot at this thing. And, and he may. We don't know. He may. But with Gary Patterson praising Alex Delton like he is, don't be shocked anymore if Alex Delton uh, takes the whole deal. All right. I wrote about this at heartlandcollegesports.com, and it was uh, very interesting. Athlon Sports 
gets Big 12 coaches, and they do this for every conference, to anonymously comment on other programs. And the most telling Big 12 quote to me came from one of the coaches, obviously don't know who, it's all anonymous, who said to Athlon about Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach, quote, Matt Campbell is going to be a star at his next job. This is just a really hard place to build a consistent winner. The best thing they've got going is that they've changed that culture totally. Those kids know the process of winning now so they can easily upset the best teams in our league, end quote. First off, Matt Campbell is going to be a star. I think Matt Campbell right now is a top 15 coach in America. If you are drafting college football coaches right now to start a program, forget the team, forget the players, drafting coaches to start a program, I guarantee Matt Campbell is one of the first 15 guys off the board, if not first 10 off the board. Secondly, this coach is like, when's Matt Campbell leaving? I'm counting it down. When's this guy going to get out of here? Like, Matt Campbell, his actions have proven he's pretty happy in Ames. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to be in Ames in 2029, but it certainly tells me he signed a couple of extensions the last two years. He's got a massive buyout. I don't think he is going anywhere right now. I think there's a couple jobs he'd look at. Ohio State, Notre Dame, they're not open. They appear to be pretty steady as is, at least for the time being. Matt Campbell does not strike me as an NFL guy. I can't say that with 100% certainty, but he just doesn't feel like an NFL guy to me. Not that he can't do it, but he feels like a guy who likes molding young men. If you hear Campbell speak, he's like, I I was happy being a high school coach. That's what I thought I was going to end up being. So who said this? There's been a lot of speculation. My guess, my total hunch is Mike Gundy, or Tom Herman. I can't see one of the new coaches saying it. It makes no sense that they would say it. And then I can't see Lincoln Riley saying that. He's not controversial enough. Um, I don't see Gary Patterson saying that. And I don't see Matt Rule saying that. That leaves Gundy or Herman. Gundy can be sneaky like that. You know, Mike Gundy can can kind of, he can jab you in an indirect way. And Tom Herman is just, you know, he's Tom Herman. So I could see him saying that as well. He, he doesn't even like to jab. He just likes to stick it right in there. And the other thing about Herman is, you know, he, he was at Iowa State for a little bit. So when he says this is just a really hard place to build a consistent winner, that could be Herman saying it from a guy that has some inside knowledge. So I, I just think it's fascinating to look at these anonymous quotes from Big 12 coaches done by Athlon Sports and just try to figure out who, who said what. I think that that's great. So they do a very good job with that. Lastly, we're continuing to rank our positions um, across the Big 12. Let me quickly run down running backs for you. We have OU as the best group of running backs in the Big 12. Yes, they had the best offensive line on America last year. But when you have a duo of Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, and that's as good of a one-two punch as you can get, And don't forget about T.J. Pledger, top 100 player in the country in the class of 2018. That guy's a stud. So we can debate this all day, every day. It's always fun to, but we have OU as the top running back group in the Big 12. Number two, we have West Virginia. You know, I think the Mountaineers are going to struggle this year, but 
they have a, a really nice and underrated backfield. Kennedy, McCoy, Martel, Petaway, Letty Brown. I mean, that that is a, that's a nice group to have back there. At number three, believe it or not, I mean, it's KU. And, and Puka kind of carries the thing. But let's not forget, Khalil Herbert, pretty good. Don Williams, nice player. I mean, that that's a nice one, two, three. Just can somebody block for him? That's the question. We've got Oklahoma State at number four. Justice Hill leads the way there. Baylor at number five with a nice one, two, three of Lovett, Hasty, and Ebner. As we get to number six, uh, that's TCU. Now, this could look really silly by the end of the year. If Darius Anderson and Shewo Alanalua end up being the one-two punch that they are capable of being, TCU will be in the top three. But you have some concerns and inconsistencies and injuries to deal with on uh, both of those guys. So right now we have them at number six. At number seven, let's go to the Texas Longhorns. Trey Watson's gone. So now it's Keontae Ingram. He's going to carry the workload. He had a good, solid freshman year, but... Is he a number one back? Is he that horse of a running back that Texas needs? I'm not sure. I, I I just, I don't know. Jordan Whittington played wide out in high school. He's moved to the backfield. He showed promise in the spring game, but once again, questions there. And senior Kirk Johnson could finally get some snaps, but I, I don't know. Texas at number seven. Iowa State at number eight. There's depth. And true freshman Brees Hall reports are the guys a total stud uh, he may be the top running back for this team by October, but let's see. There's a lot of guys there from uh, Nuagnu. Am I saying that right? Kenny Nuangu. I apologize, Iowa State fans. You know, I apologize. I don't know what to tell you. I apologize. Johnny Lang, Sheldon Crony, uh, they can all play. Who's a stud back? That remains to be seen. Texas Tech at number nine. Tazan Henry is the top ball carrier returning. He had a nice freshman season, but there's not a lot there. Demarcus Felton and Deleon Ward both transferring in the offseason, so Tech's got some work to do. But they're not in last place. That's Kansas State. Is James Gilbert, the Ball State transfer, going to be a stud Big 12 running back? I don't know. Jordan Brown, another transfer. After he had 1,000 rushing yards in three years at North Carolina. So there are just a lot of unknowns at that position for the Kansas State Wildcats, so keep an eye on it. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Guys, thanks so much for checking it out. Please leave us a rating, review, subscribe. Helps us a ton. This podcast is growing because of you. And in return, I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you have to do is email me a screenshot of your rating and review along with a subscription to Pete's Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week. Can't wait for the season to get here. We'll talk to you soon.